0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, everybody, it's Chris Spangle. I want to thank you for listening, and this is a bit of a different episode. Uh, we had a bit of a scheduling mix-up, this past weekend. So there wasn't an episode on Saturday. So in lieu of that, I wanted to bring you a conversation between Spike Cohen and Brian Nichols. Brian is one of the great hosts here on the We Are Libertarians network, along with Remzo Martinez and his show On the Run and Trisha Stewart-Mann and Gingerarchy. Make sure you go to Libertarians.com and download
1: all of our shows. And I hope you enjoy this great conversation between Brian and Spike. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Can I pause for a second
0: and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot.
2: And this is the third time you've heard my voice this week, so I apologize, because you have to hear it again throughout this entire episode, plus two awesome episodes coming up here the second half of the week. But yes, hello, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, yet we started things off here Early on Sunday, uh, we have a new candidate special uh, that's going to be airing here on the Brian Nichols Show, focusing on libertarian or not just libertarian, but just pro-liberty candidates who are out there uh, and raising their names, raising their candidacies and raising the issues that they're uh, focusing on in their respective uh, elections. And uh, to start things off, we have Joel Gets. Joel Gets is running for mayor of East Stroudsburg, PA. So uh, make sure you, if you did not get the chance to check out that episode on Sunday, you go ahead and check that out. And then we had our awesome brand new episode that just uh, launched here as well. Our one year anniversary of 15 days to slow the spread a highlight of four phenomenal episodes over the past year discussing, yeah, just what was going to happen and uh, what we shouldn't be doing from a, a government response standpoint to COVID uh, and great conversations we had with Dan Mitchell, Jeffrey Tucker, Matt Kibbe, and Nick Hudson. So uh, if you uh, did not get the chance yet, to it, check out that episode. For posterity sake, is going to be a super, super important episode. So if you haven't yet, go ahead and make sure you check out that episode and bookmark that one because anytime you're going to get somebody out there who's like, uh, well, Brian, uh, we need to do the government lockdowns to be safe because we didn't know what the Science said You can be like, uh, hold up, because actually, back in April 2020, we kind of knew what the science was going to say, uh, and here's the proof, and you can have this episode as a great tool in your toolbox, but why are you here today? You're here because... Spike Cohen is returning to The Brian Nichols Show, that former VP candidate back in 2020 for the Libertarian Party and head of the amazing Muddied Waters Empire. Spike is returning to The Brian Nichols Show today to discuss what is the future for the Libertarian Party, number one. But number two, what are we doing wrong? What can we as a party do better to reach people beyond our spheres of influence? It's always a great conversation with Spike because, yes, we are both from the same brain of of the school of thought of sales. We need to be creating value and every conversation ends up uh, going into some type of uh, sales conversation. So, a great opportunity to dig in that with uh, Spike and more. So, with that being said, on to the show, Spike Cohen, returning to the Brian Nichols Show.
0: I'm always happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me again, Brian.
2: Spike, you have been so busy. Let's see. You got muddied waters. You got your appearances <laughs> on Kennedy, it seems like every other day.
0: Uh, you've been uh, doing almost, yeah, pretty much once a week. Yeah. Yeah. your yeah.
2: brand new uh, podcast which focuses on mm-hmm. you know, actually what's winning and it's the culture of winning. Spike, yep. when I gotta ask you this, when do you sleep? And uh, can you please tell me, uh, you know, how you're functioning on what I must assume is less than an hour of sleep per night?
0: And it's gonna get more intense now because uh, pretty much every weekend between now and at least I think through Ju- June, I'm going to be in a different state uh, doing uh, either at a at a, a Libertarian state convention or a candidate forum uh or a uh you know a, a campaign workshop uh i'm going to be up in alaska next month uh for a uh a thing called gold rush where we're having uh, experts on on how to help uh run campaigns and and what candidates need to do to be able to be effective uh i'm going to be speaking at that Um, uh, we have some, uh, potentially some shooting events for fundraisers that are coming up where people can, can, uh, donate money to, uh, to get to shoot guns with me to help uh, various local and state affiliates. Uh, they keep me very busy and, uh, I actually do sleep eight hours a day on average. I, I get, I just am hyper. Um, it's, it's interesting. I was retired for uh, the better part of uh, almost four years before I decided to get into into politics and um, and I went straight into running for VP. Um, but the you know the you know, I was retired for a few years from business. This is kind of a reminder hearkening uh, back to what things were like when I had my company. You know I, I still got sleep. I just when I was awake, I was hyper efficient. And, um, so I've been using a lot of those efficiency tools. I also have an incredible team behind me. Um, I have, uh, 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 Brian Lambrecht is the one who manages my media and events, uh, um, scheduling and, and, management, um, and booking and things like that. I have Caitlin Cloven who is in charge of my social media. Uh, she's built an incredible volunteer team under her. Uh, I have, um, Chrissy workers helps with the, with the communications end of it, with the press releases and things like that. Um, I have an incredible team of, of volunteers who are helping to, to helping me to be able to do all the things that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely, I do sleep, but I, I'm. I don't diddle that. Da- I don't. I don't dilly dally a lot when I am awake. Put it that way.
2: Consistency is key too, and you're you're constantly doing something. And and I think what's fun is I'll go on, you know, whether it's Twitter or or Facebook, wherever it may be, and I'm guaranteed to see something Spike <laughs> Cohen related, right? And and that is important. Staying on the top of people's news feeds yep. or just on the top of people's their mind news feed, if you will, constantly being yep. something that people are seeing. And In this case, it's about What's actually going to be winning? And I think right now, this has been the, uh, the main focus of the LP, right? As we move forward to 2022 and beyond is, well, what, what's going to be winning in, in the Libertarian Party? And we see kind of this split right now, right? We see more of the traditional pragmatic, I guess we'll kind of use, if we're going to use terms, I'll, I'll kind of use the pragmatic ish, uh, I guess, uh, label for this, you know, the, the, Folks out there who are saying, "Hey, you know, we have to go along to get along," and then there's the more I'd say radical slash what mises folks out there who are saying, "No, we have to be consistent in principles, consistent in messaging, um, and and let's you know do things in a little bit different of a way than we've been doing things." So I I see this as, and I set this up. This has been kind of I've seen as where we're really ultimately heading as we approach the convention and I guess kind of Spike you you would have better uh better pulse in terms of what's actually um happening from a more shall we say a hierarchical structure in the LP um being the former VP candidate so talk to us kind of what? just based on your your gut feeling I guess and and your experience in in the uh talking to some folks out there where do you think um the LP is going to be heading as we move forward
0: so there's two questions there, obviously, or two main questions. One is uh what is the most effective way for us to move forward in terms of, you know, principle versus pragmatism or or even if there is a, a trade-off that needs to be made there. And then obviously the second one is regardless of what's the best way to do it, what's what's most likely to win in the, the current uh politic of the Libertarian Party. Indeed, I yeah. want to answer that second part first. Um I honestly, it's a bit of a toss-up right now. Uh, the main factions right now are sort of what you said there's the the the, the pragmatists uh which not always because there are definitely some radicals within the the, the ranks of the pragmatists but they they tend to be more on the moderate side now interestingly enough outside the libertarian circles they would absolutely 100% be seen as wild-eyed radicals oh absolutely uh, but within our within our our culture of of libertarianism they're seen as you know uh anywhere from you know uh, a little bit moderate all the way to you know straight up milk toast um and everything in between and and again there are i, I do want to say uh there are many pragmatists who who actually are radical in their in their beliefs as well it's just, so it's it's certainly not to say that they're not principled um And even the ones that are more moderate, that's their principle. They are principle, but that's the principle. Um, And then you have on the other side, the radicals and the Mises caucus people. And I I basically call them the radicals. These are the ones who are saying, no, uh, our platform is already a compromise between minarchists and anarchists. Uh, the radical side tends to be either more anarchist uh, like me or just very, very radical minarchist, you know, minimal, minimal. I call them nanarchists, like the minimum, you know, the, the most you know, small, barely, uh, barely noticeable government possible. Um, and they say that, we, you know, we don't need to, to budge on that. Um, it's really hard to tell who, which faction, uh, if you will. And it's kind of sad to talk about them that way, because the reality is they probably agree on 90, 95 percent of things. And the fact that they're so often at loggerheads that they, like they are, it, it's it's kind of uh, honestly saddening at times, um, especially because I have friends on on both sides of this. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, and, and many of them have friends on both sides. It's it's, it's an unfortunate thing. And, and it's you know, they're not they're not going to get into physical fights, but it is it is a fight for the future of the party. So I, I get it. Um, it's really hard to tell right now. Uh, Mises is definitely a fast growing caucus. Uh, the pragmatists have always um, traditionally had the numbers uh, to to get what they wanted. But this time around, I mean we, we got a little bit of a, of a foreshadowing of how things went. Uh, the presidential uh, candidate was Joe Jorgensen, who among the pragmatist camp was certainly the most radical among them in terms of her policies. Uh, I am an anarchist, and I didn't see anything I objected to in her campaign platform. And I I often had people ask me that, you know, is there anything you don't agree with? And I'm like, well, you know, short of pressing the Rothbard button and making government go away, if we're going to look at this realistically, what we plan to try to do, if we could actually get into positions of power, this is a really, really good start. And I mean, some of this stuff is going straight to, we never talked about what we wanted government to do. We talked about what we didn't want government to do and and what our plan was to have them do less of that. Um, So, you know the radicals did pretty well in that front uh and then for their vp candidate they got me a literal self-described outspoken anarchist that probably wouldn't have happened in 2016 or 2012 uh and yeah. certainly not in 08 or or 04 so you know that leaves us with the possibility that you know by 2022 or certainly by 2024 the radical side could certainly have enough numbers to be able to be in the majority um and i think that that would uh, you know there's a lot of unfortunate language about takeovers and things like that and it's 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 unfortunate because it's ad- it's unnecessarily adversarial i think that a lot of the radical the people on the more radical side would have a lot more friends outside of their immediate circles or or a lot more allies i should say if they weren't using um, oppositional and adversarial language. And they'll say to me, yeah, but Spike, you know, the Prags took over. Yeah, but they didn't call it that. And that's exactly my point. Um, with that said, you know, will they be able to take over? And, and, and meanwhile, take over will simply – there's not going to be a purge. You're not going to, you know, line people up and shoot them. The takeover will simply be that they're in the majority when it comes to the bylaws. They're in the majority when it comes to the, you know, the platform. They're in the majority when it comes to who's being nominated to, uh, offices and also who's being nominated to positions within the party, the chair, the vice chair, that kind of stuff. I really don't know. I think, I think 2022 and 2024 are going to be nail biters in that regard. Going to the question of what's the best way forward. I think that, and I think we've talked about this before on, on, my, on my appearance, the previous appearance, libertarians talk a lot about the false dichotomy that we got to choose between the, liber- the Republicans and the Democrats. But interestingly enough, we have a false binary of our own. We often are told that we either have to sacrifice principle in order to be more relatable to everyday, you know, normies, you know, normal people and that we have to just kind of water it down a little bit because it's kind of scary and you know we have to do it that way uh which i disagree with 100%. Uh or we have to be brutalists. We can't just be principled. If someone asks us about, you know, public schooling or public education, we have to say that, you know, people who use uh, you know, uh, uh, single parents whose children are in school are welfare mothers, and and you know we we have to call the troops murderers. We have to we have to go to the most brutal and extreme example of how to present this. Those are both wrong in their own special way, right? Like you know, and I I'm seeing you 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 nodding your head here. <laughs> you're in marketing and you're in sales imagine if you know I, I don't have you done cold calling you've done cold calling oh, so or?
2: my my day job as a sales executive i also lead a sales team and their entire job is is you know prospective cold calls that's yeah 100 percent.
0: okay okay so then you know the background okay so imagine if uh you're cold calling and let's let's lay out both of those scenarios first cold call you call the, the business owner and you say, you know, uh, hi. I've got a, a great opportunity for your business, and they go, "What is it?" And you go, "Well, huh. what if you could be moderately more successful? Nothing too extreme, nothing that's going to rock the boat, but just do a little bit better." And meanwhile, they're trying to figure out how to get you off the phone in the first place. And they and you go, "I, I'm, I'm thinking. I don't want to get too out there, but maybe." five or even 10% gains over the next year or so. And they go, buddy, I don't even know who you are. No, thank you. They hang up. Now imagine you call them, we'll use the other scenario and you go, Hey, I got a great opportunity for you. And they go, what is it? And you say, everything you're doing is wrong because you're an idiot. And you're brainwashed into thinking that this works and it doesn't because you're a chump. Now, let me tell you about my great ideas. You're going to get hung up on in both of those. cases, And now you've got an enemy too. Um, what if instead you just met them where they are and connected with what they needed? And that? so, uh, you know, Eureka, one of the re- you know, when I got the the vice presidential nomination, a lot of pra- uh, people on the Prague side were horrified. OK, my, my associations with Vermin Supreme. I'm an anarchist. I'm a podcaster. I've got, you know, a little bit more of a, a you know, extreme way of presenting things, more edgy, you know, meme lord type of stuff. They've come to, not all, but most pragmatists have come to respect me because they understand that there's an actual method behind what I'm trying to do. The flip side of prags, most prags, is that however moderate or radical they may be, if you can show them that what you do works and actually connects with people, they'll be as big of a fan of yours as someone that agrees with you 100% on the principle behind it. In the same token, a radical just, a typical radical just wants to see that our Principled presentation of libertarian ideas is being presented in an effective way. Now, you're listening to this and thinking, this sounds oddly unifying for a libertarian. And yet, here we are. That's what I hope wins out. And that's part of what I plan on doing going around the country is saying, we don't have to choose between being relatable and being principled in fact those things are mutually inclusive they're synergistic people want a radical change and departure from what's happening right now you can't scare them about it but they do want a big change from what's happening they voted for biden because he was being presented as a rapid departure from trump which he is not but that's what he was presented they voted for trump because he was a rapid departure from anything that had ever happened before he's not but that's what they wanted we voted for obama because he was presenting himself as a rapid departure from anything we'd ever had before. The people want this. The people want that radical departure. We just have to present it to them in a way that connects. And that's what I'm going around the country, you know, trying to tell both prags and radicals, we don't have to do this Faustian bargain. We can actually meet in the middle by meeting people where they are and relating to them. And and, and anyone who's hearing us now, go back and listen to my first episode with Brian if you haven't already. And we talk about exactly yes. how to do that.
2: Yeah, and that's and I mean, spoiler alert, it's it's really Sales. It's, it's sales one way, And, it, and I, I hate the fact that I always do this. It always comes back to sales folks. But I mean, really, you're selling yourself, you're selling an idea, you're selling a service, you're selling something. And it is the way you present the information. You can't take a freaking book and just chuck it at them and expect them to think that, oh, well, all the information of in the book is valuable. You have to be able to, to make it so it's easy to digest and easy to understand. And I I guess, you know, as we're moving forward, that's partly where we're seeing a lot of the, the I guess, the, 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 frustration, shall we say, and that is, well, how are we going to be reaching people? Because The, the messaging, the, the marketing arm, if you will, of the LP, it hasn't been doing a good enough job. And I, I will say, you know, I'm going to give absolutely credit where credit's due. I've seen an uptick just even in the past week or so of the, the LP page, um, relative to what it was doing prior. I mean, it was doing one or two posts every other day or so. Now it seems like it's it's doing uh, quite a few posts per day. So at least it's it's actually utilizing this quarter of a a million followers that it has. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. But, I guess when we're looking at how we're going to bring this, this marketing and this messaging going forward, wh- what do you think? And I guess, you know, you, you have the experience and obviously going and talking to people. What do you think we need to do from a, a national perspective? Is it more so that we need to have just like one overarching theme or should we allow the LP national to kind of pick three, two major issues and just have that be the
0: primary focus? I think that there's. I think that we need to have... You can't pick one single thing, obviously. I do think it needs to be two or three things. And in my opinion, those two or three things, at least right now, are largely around COVID. So the healthcare questions around COVID, the preparedness questions around COVID, the vaccine questions around COVID, the lockdowns, which even though they're related to COVID, are a uniquely different issue. Because this is not just about COVID-related stuff. This is about a government that decides that it can tell you whether or not you're essential indefinitely. And, you know, that we're talking about the the soft internment of most of the population. So that is a uniquely separate issue, even though it's related to COVID and those things work together in your messaging to talk about, you know, how we got here in the first place. The lockdowns and the idea of government presuming that authority in the first place and the devastation it's caused is a uniquely separate issue. And then the next thing, at least right now, I think moving forward is going to continue to be criminal justice and police brutality issues. There is Black Lives Matter did not come out of nothing. And contrary to what a lot of people believe, it wasn't some vast left wing Marxist plot to get people on the streets. The reality is this has been something that has been brewing for quite some time. It has been getting worse uh, and it is only going to continue to get worse. Uh, as long as the only people that are talking about it are the party of Kamala Harris and the party of Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, and we need to get the message out there. Um, those would be the three things I would focus on. It's not to say that we never talk about anything else. Uh, if you look at my messaging on my social media, my overarching themes are behind that. But yet I still talk about crypto when, when that uh, emerges as a subject. I still talk about, um, you know, the wars, uh, when those come up as a subject, uh, I still talk about, you know, healthcare reform or education reform or immigration or anything else. When things come up, we can seize upon. The party can seize upon that issue. We aren't large enough to do what Donald Trump. Well, he he can't do it anymore either. But back when he had access to social media, we he could change the conversation on a dime by just tweeting out something. Joe Biden right now could change the conversation on a dime by, you know, tweeting or posting something or just putting out press releases or whatever. We don't have that kind of structural power to be able to change the conversation that way. But what we can do is because we have the best ideas when someone else, when, when the, the conversation moves towards something, we can go to that conversation with by far the best presentation and best ideas. And I think we need to hammer away at that on social media. And then here's the other aspect of that, because social media is not always an accurate reflection of what's happening in the real world. Um, I would argue that if you looked at social media engagement, I, put it this way, a lot of people that were libertarians on the internet were shocked that Joe and I only got one2 three percent, whatever it was, um, because if you looked at it on social media, there would have been no reason to think that we weren't going to get like seven, eight, nine percent, maybe even 10 percent or at least five percent in terms of just our relative share of the amount of conversation happening. The Internet is not real life, which is why I think more importantly than what national needs to do. And I know that's the conversation we're having. But a lot of what I'm talking about going around from state and local affiliates is the most important thing we need to be doing right now is building the party up at the grassroots level, at the local affiliate level, at the state affiliate level, get identify candidates who are able to run. You know, so many people want to run for Senate and Governor and and, and Congress. And I get it. What if you run for city council and actually get it? And you get into city council and you're able to make positive changes in your immediate community. And then not only that, but you can get more libertarians elected. So you make even more positive changes. And then y'all can run for state house and be making positive changes at the state level. And then y'all can run for Congress or Senate or governor having years of history of of, of libertarian governance to be able to show it. Um, that's what I'm hammering away on this year and next year is, yes, we need to run the the federal races too, but we need to be spending more time on the races that we already have the tools and resources and proven ability to win, and then eventually be able to scale that up. And when I say eventually, it could be by 2022. It could be by 2024. There's no reason to think that if we don't play our cards right, we can't end up having whoever our presidential candidate is in 2024 at least be able to make enough of an impact to get on the debate stage. Yes. But we have to do this stuff in order to do that. We cannot continue the same four-year cycle of pie-in-the-sky thinking uh, and then and then sort of nesting and coping afterwards with, well, the system's rigged. Yes, we know the system's rigged. How do how, We are winning currently Water in is local wet. and regional races. How Yes, water's wet. They're corrupt, but we do win races. How do we do that? Let's do more of that. And then let's eventually be able to scale that up so we can do more of that at higher levels. And so that's my main focus right now. So
2: we talked about what to do. And I think sometimes the question that we forget to ask is well, what should we be looking out for? What are some red flags or things that we need to make sure that we do better? Going forwards. Uh, so, what would you say are some things maybe that are on the horizon that we should be at the very least cautious
0: of, Spike? That's an excellent question. What should we not be doing, basically? <laughs> More what should or we less. do? Yeah, what should we not do? I think one big thing is, as I was talking about with the false dichotomy, don't fall into the trap, either trap, of thinking you got to water down the message. Best case scenario with watering down the message is you essentially con enough people to think you're some kind of moderate and then they look at your platform and go you were lying all along you didn't just want to do school choice you wanted to abolish the department of education why is that and now you're now you're scrambling defensively explaining why you want to abolish the department of education why not go straight into it saying this uh, i I was my last time on kennedy i went on and explained why we needed to abolish the federal and state departments of education and put it entirely at the community level. And I had a conservative on this side of me saying, "Yes, okay." How and I had a, a Democrat on. I had a Democrat on this side of me going, "That's not a no. We don't have to. Be, we. Do, it wasn't a no. Now he didn't agree with everything I was saying, but. Back to when he would say, yes, but he, he was he's a black man. And he kept saying, you know, a lot of these conversations aren't, you know, uh, looking at the needs of communities of color and black communities. And I said, yeah, that's why the community should be handling it. Boom. OK, so we don't need to fall into the milk toast trap, but we also don't have to fall into the brutalist trap. And so I think that's and it's something we've sometimes we do both. Uh, but I, I, I think that it's we need to remember that this is not about sacrificing one versus the other. This is about being principled in a way that connects with everyday people. If I can show you that I actually give a damn about your situation, and if I can show you that I understand where you're coming from on your situation, and then I can demonstrate, because again, we're libertarians. We can systemize stuff all day long. We can I can explain to you how we got here. Now I've shown you that I care about you, that I want what's best for you, and that I know how we got here. Everything I say past this point is you going to the logical conclusion of saying, well, then he must know how to get us out of this, which means anything I present to you, if it makes sense and is intuitive – is going to is going to connect with you. I just did that sales training to
2: <laughs> my team. Oh my god. I like were you, were you flying the wall this morning? I, I mean I just literally I bu- said I must have been. Yeah, I must I, have been. I literally this is, just this said this is
0: basic sales stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally this like is basic
2: the, the, solutions I mean, if you're going to actually go in, I, I didn't mean to disrupt spike, but like if you're going to go yeah, no, in no, no, and no, just please. like guns ablaze and like telling about how great your solution is and instead of actually trying to listen and, and trying to to hear actually what's the real problem. That's where you you get the the real I, the real trust and, and, and once they believe that you actually are an expert and you have the, the real solution to the problem and it's truly the solution to their problem, not what you think the problem is, but you've, you've narrowed it down, you've confirmed, you've gotten rid of all the objections, you've closed all the doors and you've pinpointed exactly what the problem is. So long as you show that solution, then going forward, they're going to trust you in so many other different topics. I mean, one of the, yep. the I mean, yep. and I'll go, yep. I'll go kind of like to my day job, one of some of our best accounts are accounts that shits at the fan. And the reason being is because they see when we're there and we're, we're bringing the value to the table saying, Hey, we're here to make this right. And then they realize, Mm. well, what would happen? Because this would happen probably even if I didn't have, you know, in this case, the, the company I'm working with in this, in this example. Which is my company? Um, then it'd be me being solo, and then they see the value. Okay, this is why I work with a company like this, and, and I think that's what we need to be. We need to be that trusted advisor. So, Spike, I'm excited because I, I know we're seeing you know folks like you, uh, leading the charge, and you're you're getting people to start to think about these things. And I'm I'm hearing it on different shows. The conversations are changing, for the better, and I think that's yep. good. We're starting to to talk about this stuff in a way that is. Again, beyond kind of like the, okay, let's talk about Rothbard and Hayek. It's like, no, let's talk about this issue that, you know, Susie is dealing with and how can we deal yep, yep, with yep. Susie's problems? And now we're, we're starting to get into this kind of solution based approach to presenting our ideas. So you've been doing great work, obviously, over at Muddied Waters. You've been doing culture of winning, focusing now on your new freaking tour, which I don't know how, again, you're going to add this <laughs> on top of everything. So let's, let's like kind of uh, look at this. Where can folks, Find you, I guess, as you're going across the United States and, I guess, stay up to date with all that's going to be going on as you're staying, obviously, incredibly, incredibly busy.
0: Uh so if you want to check out what I'm doing, uh Money so Muddy Waters are our Muddy Waters Media are my shows, uh, the Muddy Waters of Freedom uh and my fellow Americans. Uh if you go to muddywatersmedia.com or if you go to uh to our it, it, we're on every social media platform, we're on every podcasting platform. If you look for Muddied Waters Media, uh you will find us. Um and if you look for me on pretty much any platform on Facebook, on YouTube, on uh Twitter on uh, Instagram uh I'm on TikTok I need to get more active on TikTok that's my next big project right now I've been tackling Instagram and, and getting comfortable with it the next big one is TikTok and my my poor social media team uh teaching me slowly how to use this stuff oh, um but uh, you know if you look for Spike Cohen on the internet you will you will find me um and uh the one thing I want to close with um if I may Brian Please. um and you'll be able to appreciate this. And anyone in cold cold calling will be able to appreciate this. My cold calling conversion ratio was somewhere around 28, 29%. And the reason, and that may, now to a lot of people, that sounds like I just said, you know, three out of four people I spoke with told me no. That's actually amazing in the world of cold calling. <laughs> That's
2: an incredible number. Here is,
0: here is why. Half of it is that I did some qualifying and the qualifying was basically like, you know, are they a big budget company? Is their website garbage? Is it obvious they're not getting anything from their, their company as opposed to just like straight up cold calling out of a, out of a list of companies on a, on a, on a thing or whatever. Um, but the reason that it was so high was because I spent the first two or three minutes of the call asking them questions. And I would say, you know, I'd call and I'd say, Hey, is this such and such? And they'd go, yes. I'd say, Oh, great. I'm so glad I was able to get you. Uh, Spike Cohen here. Um, wanted to talk with you about your business and, and, and your website. Uh, tell me again, what is the, and I would start talking about, you know, what, what, what was the, what was your target goal for ROI on your, on your website? What was your target goal for revenue? Um, and ha- have they met that? And yeah, three out of four people, three out of four people would be like, what the hell are-? and they hang up. But the fact that I led with questions that were things they were already thinking about before I called them. Piqued their interest enough to start answering, and I usually knew I had them if there'd be about a two or three second delay of them trying to figure out what the hell is going on. There'd be that two or three seconds of silence, and then they'd start answering the question. Well, yeah, we were hoping to have a, re- and I knew I had them. From there, I would explain. I well, I, first of all, I would listen, and I'd ask repeated questions and two things are happening and i think we talked about this on the last episode anytime you're you're doing this this method where you're asking people questions and listening to and actually listening to them two things are happening number 1 you're identifying all their pain points you're identifying everything that it is they need everything it is that they need to hear that they're having problems with and that they need your solutions for the other thing that's happening is that person is whether they like it or not developing a bond with you their lizard yes. brain is hearing the person that i am talking to right now wants to hear everything I have to say. People spend a hundred plus dollars an hour to go sit with someone and talk about their problems. And you're doing it for free, not for an hour, but meanwhile, I, I would have done it for an hour if they wanted me to, Um I'm just letting them vent. I mean, half the time they'd start venting about, you know, stuff that had to do with their, their clients. Yes. I didn't stop them or redirect them. I'd say, man, that's terrible. Tell me about that and let them talk about it. Because by the end of that conversation, they were so happy I called them if for no other reason than I was just listening to them. And then from there, once I had identified all their pain points and once I had completely lowered all of their cognitive defenses, or actually more accurately, once they themselves lowered all their own cognitive defenses by, by talking to me and having that moment of catharsis that they, Needed all yep. day, probably all week. Then from there, I'd say, Here's what I'm hearing. And I'd basically reflect back everything that they said. I'm hearing that you have spent however many thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, and you were expecting or being told that you were going to be getting this kind of return on investment. You were going to be getting these kinds of numbers. And instead, you're getting an app, a fraction of that. And they go, Yeah, exactly. I'd say, Here's why that is. And then I'd start, I'd very basic, you know, not throw a bunch of jargon at them uh You know, I wouldn't it, 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 equating it to politics. I wouldn't start telling them about the uh, invisible hand. I would just in very basic terms explain why it wasn't working, what my plan was. And then usually by the time I had called them, I already knew what I wanted to sell them on anyway. And then I'd sell them on that. And that was how I had that conversion. Now, sometimes they'd say, okay, let me think about it. And I'd say of those people, maybe half of them got back to me and the other half I never heard from. But including that half that never that never got back to me, or actually not including that half that never got back to me. Yeah, my converse rate was, was between 25 and 30%. And it was because I let them talk. This doesn't always apply to politics because you can't walk into a, a I can't give a speech and say, I just want to hear what you have to say. Right. Although when I do most of my speeches in these conventions, I do about a five minute speech and then 25 minutes minutes of Q and A because I'd rather hear what they have to say and, and and give them answers to what's uh relevant to them in that area. Um but you can still use that method of reaching people. So if for example, you're if, if if you're running for office, I would go around to every group I could, every, every, you know, uh uh Rotary Clubs, 4-Hs, NAACPs, and ACLUs, Black Lives Matter groups, uh, anti-lockdown groups, pro-lockdown groups, uh, they probably won't want to meet with you. <laughs> um. Uh. uh just because they're not getting together with anyone, but do stuff on Zoom, in person, Second Amendment groups, uh, uh, immigration rights groups, criminal justice groups, anyone you can meet with, and say, I'm running for office, and I want to hear what your concerns are, and spend the first half hour or so of your meeting with them, online, in person, whatever, listening to them, asking them questions, and letting them answer them. Then do the empathize, reflect explain and then give them a a path to to being able to win you can do this whether you're starting a new affiliate or trying to grow your affiliate your local libertarian affiliate in your area and you're saying we just want to let people know what libertarian ideas are but we want to hear from you first you can do it whether you're running as a candidate you can do this uh for your business frankly you can do this with anything the girl you're trying to you know date or something like really you can use this with anything um But Moving forward, this is how we have to do it. We have the best ideas. We have the best solutions. The only thing we don't have is the multi-billion dollar pop culture media government complex to control people's thoughts and how they think. But Our ideas are so much better that all we have to do is get in front of these people and we can win, but we can't do that by being milquetoast because then no one will give a crap about us. We just sound like every other pandering politician they've ever heard, and we can't do it by being brutalist because their life is already brutal enough and they don't want to hear your garbage. So. We just have to meet people where we are, where they are, and we can hit them with the message and we can bring people in who are excited to spread liberty. You know, I want to stop just talking about ending the fed and ending taxation and, and reforming healthcare so it's affordable and ending the wars and bringing the troops home and freeing families and children from cages and getting people's lives back on track after they've, they've been ruined by the war on drugs or the war on guns, uh, people being able to protect themselves and their loved ones, people no longer being able to, uh, having to worry about being abused at the hands of the state with no kind of accountability or anything. I want to actually see these things happen. And we do that by meeting people where they are, showing them how they do best when they are most free, and then we can win
2: how about that folks it's like uh stuff we talk about here on the brian nichols show i think uh (laughs) folks are starting to nod their head more and more in agreement spike and it's exciting because it does it does give me just a good feeling knowing that hey people are starting to uh to pay attention and we're making a difference man so keep up what you're doing uh definitely appreciate all the hard work you're doing at muddied waters will include all the links there but also make sure you follow him at real spike cohen spike cohen thank you as always for joining the brian nichols show
0: Thank you, Brian, and thank you for everything you're doing too, man.
2: When we're talking about living a truly free and independent life, we mean it. And that's exactly what Gary Collins, who is the creator of The Simple Life, set out to accomplish. And now you have a chance to learn all the secrets that Gary has developed over decades of trying it out himself, building these amazing courses, as you can go to thesimplelifenow.com and access three amazing courses. One, being the -the off-the-grid master course. Two, being the How to Finance Your Off-Grid Home Course and three, How to Find Your Dream Off-Grid Property Course and get an awesome 10% off at checkout by using code TBNS10. That's right. You too can learn how to live a truly free and independent lifestyle by living off-grid and all these amazing courses are delivered to you by Yes One Gary Collins from the TheSimpleLifeNow.com. Use code TBNS10 at checkout for 10% off your order and start living your free life today alrighty folks that's going to wrap up my conversation with the ever amazing Spike Cohen by the way Spike welcome back from your Facebook band hopefully uh, you didn't miss us too much we miss you though just so you know so uh, if you want to make sure that you, you don't miss out on Spike and all the great stuff he's doing and uh, you don't want to lose him make sure you're following him over at all the uh, different entities that he is uh, uh, subscribed to Twitter Facebook we'll include all the links in the show notes so it's easier for you folks but also please go ahead and support uh, Spike and all the great work that he and his amazing crew are doing over at uh, Muddied Waters they, they keep up fighting the great fight, and we need more folks like there, like Spike and his team, so uh, thank you, Spike, and the Muddy Waters crew for all you do. Uh, and also, folks, if you uh, happen to want to go ahead and follow me while you're here in this following spree, well, go ahead and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, or Parlor.com at B... Nichols liberty or if you want to go ahead and just say hi email me brian at brian nichols by the way i love to get your guest suggestions or different things that you've heard here on the brian Nichols show that you just want to go ahead and, and raise up as something you thought was valuable um and hey if you want it to be more than just a private email to me well go ahead and, and share that with the world go ahead and tag uh tag me on apple podcasts uh and you can go to the apple podcast give us a five-star rating review while you're there but in that uh, review why are you a long-time listener of the Brian Nichols Show audience, or heck, why are you a brand new listener of the Brian Nichols Show audience? Did you listen to our COVID special? Is that why you joined the the, the audience? Well, hey, strap in, because we have these types of conversations every single week. Often, it's three times a week. Now, it's kind of four times a week and coming up here on Wednesday for now it's going to be the fourth conversation here this week we are joined once again by the amazing Nick Gillespie from Reason Magazine most notably uh, known for his the interview with you know, Nick Gillespie over on Reason Magazine on Friday of last week we had Jack Hunter on the show and he was talking about Republican populism well Nick Gillespie's returning to the show today to discuss Democratic populism and what the impact of said Democratic populism could have on the shape of the nation but also um the impact that said uh, democratic populism had in this 1.9 trillion dollar spending spree so make sure folks you have gone ahead hit subscribe so you're not missing a single episode yeah i mentioned we had five episodes coming out here this week so just make sure you have your uh, your sneakers on because it's going to be a marathon but with that being said folks thank you so much for joining the brian nichols show it's brian nichols signing off here on the brian nichols show for spike cohen we'll see you wednesday thanks for listening to the brian nichols show find more episodes at com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB
0: Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.